I wonder if we could turn our Bibles tonight to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. And we'll read from uh, the first verse of the chapter. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. And beginning our reading at the first verse of the chapter. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, beginning at verse 1. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces, and said, It is not lawful for to put them into the treasury, because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel, and bought with them the potter's field, to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing again to the reading of his precious word. Let's unite again in the word of prayer. Our gracious and our loving God, we approach thee in our Saviour's name afresh. We come, Lord, as uh, we enter into thy word, into this sacred place, as our Saviour is taken, and as men betray, and as men forsake, and as men turn their backs upon the Lord. And we recognize that he went to the cross and shed his blood, that we might be redeemed. No God, we thank thee for all that our Savior accomplished there on the cross of Calvary. We thank thee, Lord, that there is a place of refuge and a place of safety, a place of salvation, a place of redemption that is found at the cross of our Savior. We pray that thou wast indeed enable men and women to close in with thine offer of mercy and cause thy word to have free course and be glorified in our midst tonight. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. His name is Judah, or Judas, in the Greek here. The Greek rendering of the Old Testament name Judas, or Judah, is Judas. And we think of his illustrious ancestry. Here is a man who was of Judah. He comes from the tribe of Judah, no doubt, uh, um, called after the, uh, his father, Judah, the son of Jacob. We think of also Judas Maccabeus, the great deliverer, the, great, uh, the man who fought for Jewish independence in 164 BC. And of course, it was a name of honor to be given to the people of that day. It was a name that would have been common amongst the people. We remember how that the Lord's parents called one of the Lord's half-brothers Judas, 
Or we think of another one of the disciples who was named Judas, Judas the son of James, to distinguish him from Judas Iscariot. So it was a name that was common, but it was a name of honor and a name of esteem in those days. But it is hardly a name of esteem today. You would not want to be called a Judas. You would not want to be referred to as a Judas. Because now Judas has sort of perverted the name. And today it is a name that speaks of betrayal. It's a name that speaks of uh, the uh, turning of the back. The man who would bite the hand that fed him. And here is the man who went out into the night. The man who sold out. The man who went to deal with the authorities and sold the Lord Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. A man who went and into his own place. A man who went out and hanged himself. What an awful life it is. What a testimony it is that this man Judas has. He's the arch traitor. But I want us to see tonight that there are many things about this man that may represent you. Now, you might, be, uh, you might be mad at that. You might resent that I would say that you were in any way like this man, Judas. But I want to show you tonight that there are many people in this world, multitudes in this world, who would do and have done the same as this man, Judas. And so for a few minutes tonight, I want us to concentrate upon this man, this man who went into the presence of Christ and went from the presence of Christ to perdition, a man who had so many blessings and benefits and yet wasted them all. And now, dear friends, tonight you might have many blessings and benefits. You have the blessing tonight of hearing the word of God of hearing the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet you might misuse all of those benefits. You might waste every benefit you have and go from this place of plenty and this place where God's name is praised out into perdition itself. God forbid that it should be so. And it is our prayer, it is our desire that it might not be so, that you might be turned in the way that you're going and that you might come and find the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, we want to look at this man, Judas, the great betrayer. And there are a number of things in this portion of Scripture that I want you to see. And the first thing that I want you to see is the singular blessing of this man. Here is a man, we have said that he's brought up in Judah. He is called Iscariot, which means a man of Kerioth. And Kerioth was about six or seven miles from Hebron. He was of the tribe of Judah. That was within the territory of Judah. He was probably the only one of the disciples. The rest of them came from Galilee. He was the lone Judean uh, amongst them. But he was from the royal tribe. He was born of the same tribe as the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a son of Judah, of the line of Jacob and of Abram, the father of the faithful. He was a man with a rich heritage, a man with many blessings in his life. And yet we find that despite all of the blessings, he ends up in perdition. We read that he is the son of perdition. And you know, we look at that and we realize 
that there are many privileges that we can have. There are many blessings that we can have, and particularly the heritage that we have. Maybe you have a father, a grandfather, a grandmother, an aunt, or someone in your family that knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you've heard the gospel. You've heard it at the children's meeting. You've heard it in the Sunday school. You've heard it out on the streets. You've heard the gospel. It's very hard not to have heard the gospel somewhere in this land. And you're under the sound of the word of God. Here's a man with so many benefits. And maybe you have the benefits too. And you're still not saved. You're still rejecting God the same way as Judas did. But not only has we had he the singular blessing of his situation, but he had the singular blessing of his selection. Because not only had he the blessing of meeting the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of being brought up in the royal tribe, and being brought up amongst the preaching of the Old Testament scriptures, but we find that he was selected to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as such, what a mighty wonderful privilege he had. My, he was able to spend time with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was able to see the miracles that he did. He was able to sit under the sound of the preaching of the word. He was one of those that were picked out by the Lord Jesus Christ. My, that's significant. He's numbered amongst the Lord's uh, closest companions. And you know, when others were forsaking the Lord Jesus, when others were saying, well, this is too much for us, Judas was still there. He was very faithful. He was a man who was, uh, he was uh, convicted in his stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we read in John chapter 6 and verse 64 about some of the disciples, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And then we read in verse 66, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So there were many who, when they heard the sayings of the Lord Jesus that were hard, they went away, they forsook the Lord Jesus. But Judas didn't. And we know that because in that chapter that speaks about many going away, at the end of the chapter, there is a mention of Judas's name. He's still there. He is committed, but he's not saved. Now, that's one of the reasons why I don't like the term committed to describe your salvation, because here's a man who was committed. Here's a man who was walking with the Lord. And when others were going away, when others were forsaking him, this man stayed steadfast. This man stayed with the Lord. There's something that's attracted him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find that it will be power. It's money, really. He looks upon the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the one who will be a deliverer, who will overthrow the Romans. And that's his desire. That's his thought here. But my, here he is. And while others have turned their back, he's still standing. He's committed. You know, sometimes we're asked the question about people who are committed to religion. What about the committed Roman Catholic? What about the committed Jehovah Witness? What about the Mormon missionaries who leave their homes and go out and bring their religion around the doors? What about the missionaries who go out? We think of John Wesley before he was saved. 
And he went out as a missionary to America, even though he wasn't saved. And you know, you can be committed and you can be religious and lost. And this man was committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, but he was lost. You see, dear friend, it's not religion. It's not uh, commitment that we're looking for. It is salvation. It is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Have you received him? Is he your Savior and your Lord? But not only had he the blessing of his situation and his selection as a disciple, but he had the blessing of a social group. He was among the inner disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was friends with these great men, men like Peter and John, James, all of the other disciples. These men were, who were after filled with the Holy Ghost that they received at Pentecost went throughout the world preaching the gospel and saw the world turned upside down as they preached the word of God and saw men and women brought to Christ and saved by the grace of God. My, what men these were. And these were his constant companions. These were the people he associated with and walked amongst. And my, they were his good friends. You know, it's a good thing to have good friends and particularly good friends who are upright and friends that are going to be honest and friends that are going to be uh, wise in what they do. And of course, God's people ought to be those that are holy and righteous and should lead you and guide you in the right direction. But you know, you could have all the best friends. You could have Christian friends and still be lost. And that's the same with Judas here. He had these disciples as his friends, his companions. But he still went to that place of perdition that the Bible speaks about here. Your friend, you can't rely upon your friends and your family. You can't rely upon others. You've got to get right with God. You've got to come and receive the Savior. Not only had he the blessing of his social group and his friends, but he had the blessing of the sermons he heard. He heard the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, of the testimony of the uh, guards in the temple, that never man spake like this man. My, as the Lord Jesus spoke, he spoke on the Sermon on the Mount, and he spoke about the unjust steward, the man who was a hypocrite. He spoke about the lessons of greed in Luke chapter 16. He speaks about the rich man, and Lazarus, and how the rich man ends up in hell. We think about the feast, the, the parable of the wedding feast, and the man who wanted to come to the wedding feast but had on the wrong garment. And of course, all of those pictures pictured Judas. They were words for Judas. They were messages for Judas. Well, they weren't just for Judas, but they were certainly for Judas. And the Lord was speaking and these powerful messages and these wise words and these words that ought to have brought life. And yet he heard all of these sermons and heard all about this. We read how that Judas was a man who was fond of money. He was a man who was a thief. And he was a man who sold the Lord Jesus, of course, for 30 pieces of silver. His desire was for money. And yet here he's listening to these messages. What shall it profit a man 
if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. And yet he didn't listen to the message. He didn't hear the message and heed the message. The Lord came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And that's what he does today. He comes to speak to your heart and to apply the word to your soul tonight. And you need to heed. My, what a blessing to hear the Lord Jesus Christ preach. And what a folly to just ignore what the Lord Jesus had to say. And then there's another blessing, the signs that he fulfilled. We think of the signs and wonders that were done by the disciples. We read about a time when the Lord Jesus sent out his disciples by twos. And they were to go out and preach the gospel. And they were to uh, heal the sick. And they were to, uh, uh, they were to uh, deliver people from demons. And Judas was among the, wor- the group that were sent out. And no doubt Judas was able to do these things. He went out to preach the gospel. He went out to preach the way of the cross, to preach the kingdom of God. And maybe he's found success in his preaching, but he wasn't saved. He wasn't saved. Oh, dear friend, you could preach the word. You could stand in the pulpit. And there are many who have done that in the past. There are many drunkards who have got a little bit drunk and were able to preach the gospel and preach the word of God. But dear friend, just because you preach the gospel, maybe you've never done that, but here's a man who's able to do signs and wonders, and yet he's not saved. You know, it says about the Lord that on the day of judgment, he will say to many, I never knew you. It says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, The Lord says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And then he goes on, he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, or preached in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. So there will be those who will preach the word, There will be those in the day of judgment who will have cast out devils. There were those in the day of judgment who will have done many wonderful works. But the Lord will say to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. You see, it is possible to do these things. It's possible for someone to do these things and still not be saved. There are many in the pulpits today And they profess to preach the word of God. But they're preaching lies. They're preaching a false gospel. They're preaching a false way. The Lord will say, I never knew you. Oh, dear friend, we see the picture here. Here's a man who's committed to Christ, following Christ, preaching Christ. But ends up in perdition. And it just shows you, dear man, woman, that it's not the outward that counts, it's the inward. It's whether you're right with God, whether your sins are forgiven, whether God has dealt with your soul, whether there's been a change in your life. You must be born again, and born again means a change in your life and a change in the way that you behave. Is there a a change that has taken place? 
we see the singular blessings of Judas's life. But then I want you to see the sinful behavior of Judas's life. At the end of the day, Judas was a hypocrite. At the end of the day, Judas was an enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, Judas turned his back upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see that Judas here has this veneer and semblance of righteousness. In John 17 and 12, the Lord refers to Judas as the son of perdition. He said, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou givest me I've kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And the one he lost, of course, is Judas. Judas gave him, or the Lord gave him a title, the son of perdition. It means the son of ruin or the son of corruption. It's a title of shame. A title of shame. A title of dishonor. Here he was amongst the disciples, walking with the disciples, these men of God, these saints of the Most High. But my, he's a hypocrite. He's playing the part of a disciple. He is a veneer, and it's a very convincing veneer. Because you remember how that when the Lord Jesus at the um, Lord's Supper, he said that one of you will betray me. And did all of the disciples just turn round and say, Judas, it's you? No, they didn't. They didn't know who it was. They said, is it I? Is it I? Could it be me? They didn't just look to Judas. It wasn't obvious that Judas was the one that was going to betray and they said, is it I? Because Judas had a veneer. Judas was able to play the part. Judas was able to uh, put up a good um, picture of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. My, he was good at putting up a front. But what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite's a pretender. A hypocrite is somebody that is pretending to be what they are not. And we find that Judas was pretending here. Maybe sometimes you wonder if Judas did believe at the start. And then after a time something came in. Some people think that. But that's not what the Bible indicates. If you look at John chapter 6 and verse 64 we read. But there are some of you that believe not. He's speaking. This is the Lord speaking to his disciples. There are some of you that believe not. In other words, they didn't have faith. Who's he speaking to? Again, he's speaking to Judas. He had no faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. And in case you doubt what I am saying, in the verse 70 of the same chapter, John chapter 6, Jesus answered them, Now I have chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil. One of you is a devil. And one is Judas, of course. The devil comes amongst his people. The devil is a liar. The devil has been a liar from the beginning. The devil knows how to put up a front. And the devil knows how to be a fake. And the devil knows how to live a lie. Judas was a hypocrite. He was a pretender. Tell me, could I be speaking to one tonight and you're a pretender? There's no real, oh, you've been good at putting up a front. Everybody believes that you're a Christian. But you're only a pretender. The Bible says, The Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You need to turn to God, and you need to seek Him. 
Because, dear friend, if you're a pretender, you'll end up in the pretender's place. But not only do I see his sinful behavior in his, uh, his, um, or his uh, striking uh, blessings, but I want you to see here his shocking betrayal. You know the story of this man, how he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ with a kiss. And I want you to see how it happened. I think, first of all, there, is, there are doubts here. The word, he wanted to betray the Lord, the Lord. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 to 15, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me that I will deliver him unto you? And they covenant with him for thirty pieces of silver. Now, why would Judas, who had spent such a lot of time with the Lord Jesus, and knew that he was innocent because he ultimately confesses that the Lord Jesus Christ was innocent, why did he do what he did? Well, of course, well, we uh, speculate a little, but many would say that the Lord was the Messiah, and many in that day hoped that the Messiah would come and would overthrow the, the, the Romans. That's what all of the disciples thought at the start. That's their uh, opinion at the start. And it doesn't seem as if Judas ever lost that. And when it became evident that the Lord Jesus was not going to overthrow the Romans, I think that there was doubt and disillusionment that entered into the heart of this man in different ways. He had never faith. He never believed. He was off the devil. But now here he is, and he's not, he's not seeing what he wants to see. He's hoping that there's going to be overthrow of the Romans. He's going to be in the prominent part in that. It's going to be a place where he's going to get power. He's going to get influence. And hopefully he's going to get money. And this is what he's looking for. And in the face of his disillusionment and his disappointment, he begins to hate the Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was just using the Lord, before he was just um, looking for a place for himself, there's a selfishness there. But now we find that he uh, turns against the Lord. If you read John chapter 13 and verse 27, we read that the Lord at the Lord's Supper offers Judas a sop or the piece of bread. And it says, And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. So while this is a man who has no faith, a man who is selfish, it seems that after the Lord Jesus gave him the sop, not as a result of that, but after that, just as a matter of course, as a chronological event, Satan enters into him. And now here he is, motivated and driven by the hatred of Satan himself against the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, we, we recognize that Judas is a special case in many ways. But dear friend, if you keep rejecting the Lord, then the consequences at the end of the day are the same. Now, whether Satan will enter into you and whether you would become demon-possessed is not a common thing in this day in which we live. Well, if that probably will not happen to you. But dear friend, you'll end up in the same place as the demons are. And you need to see that. We see his doubt. But then look at his desire. 
Why did he do that? Well, we've already hinted at it, but look at chapter 26, Matthew 26, and look at verses 14 and 15. And here we read, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me that I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. There's his desire, money. There is what he wants, money. Again, in John chapter 12, verses 3 to 6, it said then, took Mary a pound of ointment, a spike and iron, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And then this commentary is added. Then he said, this he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear that was put therein. So here's the man, as it were, who was the treasurer for the disciples and who held the bag. And his brain was working overtime. If that money had been given, I could have taken a part of it. I could have had my part of the 300 pence. A year's wages, probably. Here I could have had so much riches if that money had been given to us and given to the poor, rather than from his point of view, wasted on the ointment that was put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But he betrayed his soul for 30 pieces of silver. Dear friend, what would you betray your soul for? You think of Felix. The governor, the Roman governor, he sold his soul for popularity. He didn't want the scorn of his fellow Roman officials. You think of Pontius Pilate. He sold his soul for fear, for fear of the crowd, for fear of what people would say about him. You think about the Jewish leaders. They sold their souls for pride, for position, because their position was being undermined by the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, you could sell your soul for pleasure, for pride, for power, for pennies, you could, for pounds. You could sell your soul for all of these things, for a moment's pleasure. You think of the boyfriend, girlfriend, for a moment's pleasure. You think about the um, money that you could have, all of these things. Dear friend, what are you selling your soul for? What, what is your soul worth to you? Your friend, the Lord counted the soul to be the most precious thing that you have. And it is. Because it lasts throughout all eternity. What are you selling your soul for? He sold it for 30 pieces of silver. We see his desire was for money. And then look at his desertion. We read these words in John 13 and 27. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest do quickly. And here now he is motivated by the devil, doing the devil's plan. We see his deeds, his actual betraying. We read that he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ with a kiss, with that symbol of love, with that symbol of fellowship. He betrays the Lord Jesus Christ with a kiss, with affection, feigning love. The Lord said, he that is not with me is against me. Oh, you could feel love for the Lord. Love for his word. Love for his people. 
and still be lost and going down to a Christless eternity. Dear friend, don't be like Judas Iscariot. But one more thing I want you to see, and that is his sad banishment. It says in John 13 and 30 again, Then he then, having received the sop, went out immediately. And then the Bible adds this comment, And it was night. Why does the Bible say that? Because Judas went out into the night. And we find that all was night for him after that. No blessing, no friendships, no fellowship. We think of those that he betrayed the Lord Jesus for. And he went back to them. We read it earlier this evening. It says in verses 3 and 4 of the portion there, Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that it betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. What's it to us? My, there they were, and they wanted to use Judas. They wanted to make use of this man, but when he had been used by them, he, they threw him off. They uh, wanted nothing more to do with him. These uh, were feigning to be his friends. His friends for many years had been amongst the disciples, those men of love and fellowship, those men who wanted to promote good in the world and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had betrayed that. He had gone to these Pharisees, these men of religion. And when he had done their bidding, he ju they just cast him off. What does that do us? Dear friend, you might want the world's smile and the world's blessing and the world's uh, imprimatur upon your life. But dear friend, at the end of the day, the world will cast you off. The world will cast you off. Where will you find true friendship? The Lord said, ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I've commanded you. There is not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. The Bible says here that this man repented himself. It just means remorse. He didn't really uh, repent really because he brought back the money, but he didn't go to the right place. He didn't go and identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes to the Pharisees to bring back the money. And of course, that's in some ways commendable. He knows that he has done wrong. But now it's too late. Too late. Too late. He has set his course for eternity. And for him, it is too late. You know, dear friend, you can leave it until it's too late. Too late to get right with God. We read about Esau in the book of Hebrews that he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. It was too late. Too late. We see his despair Look at his death. In Matthew 27 and 5, it says he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went out and hanged himself. He is so remorseful of what he has done. He is so filled with what has taken place. The devil has used him. The devil has got him to do what he wanted him to do. Now the devil leaves him in absolute despair. And the Bible says that he goes out and hangs himself. 
And he can't even do that, right? Because it says in Acts 1 and 18, Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. The money that was left in the temple, the uh, Pharisees, the chief rulers used, the chief priests used to buy a field in the city of Jerusalem. You can still see the field today, the triangular field, the field of blood. That's what it's still called, the field of blood. And dear friend, here's a man who thought he could get riches and he could get influence, but he, all he got was despair. And that's all there is for those that are outside of Christ. And then we read about his damnation because in Acts 1 and verse 25, it says that when Jesus or when Judas died, he went to what the Bible calls his own place. Now, there is something peculiar about Judas. There is a place reserved in hell for Judas. Perhaps in the lowest pit of hell is the place for Judas. It says that it is his own place. But for every lost sinner, there is a place. A place in hell for all eternity. It says in Matthew 25 and 46, of God's, uh, those that are still outside of Christ, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. It says in Matthew 3 and 12, whose fan is in his hand, and he will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And we read about this man, Judas. Judas died unprepared. We think of the martyr Stephen. Stephen died unafraid. He saw heavens opened, and the Lord ready to meet him. Paul the apostle died unashamed. He said, I'm ready to be offered in the time of my departures at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is led up for me a crown of righteousness. He died unashamed. You think about Abner. Abner died unexpectedly. Died Abner as a fool dieth. He never expected to die. But Judas died unprepared. Don't die unprepared, but come to the one who died on the cross and shed his blood that your sins might be forgiven and that you might be washed in the precious blood. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our time is gone. We'll just close our meeting in a word of prayer. But could I say to you tonight, if you're not saved, then come and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're only too glad to speak to you and take time with you. We want you to know Christ as life eternal. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word tonight. We think of this man, Judas, and we read that he's the son of perdition. He went to his own place. We recognize the peculiarity of the man, but we also recognize that there are many things very similar, absolutely the same with many of the unsaved people in this world 
and reject the Lord Jesus Christ and would betray him for money or for power or for influence or for a moment's pleasure. O God, have mercy tonight. Write thy word upon hearts. Now spread thy covering wings around till all our wandering saints and at our Father's loved abode all who are saved arrive in peace. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.